Hi there, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Pour It Out with Alana Beverly. I am your host, Alana, and I'm super excited to have you join me today. Today on the podcast, I have a chat with the pastor, with Pastor Mark Gray from Bainbridge First Assembly of God. We had the best time recording this episode. Oh my goodness. I just want to tell you all about it so you can kind of get an idea of what that day was like. I don't know that I'll ever forget it. So we had gone out, I had gone out and I took a friend with me because if you have been to Bainbridge, then you know what is close to Bainbridge is the Amish bakery where you can get the best pretzel sandwiches that have ever been created and they are so, so, so delicious. And so if I go to Bainbridge, I always try to make a stop there because why wouldn't you? And so I took a friend with me and we were going to meet up with another friend after we finished recording. So we get there. She was actually not going to sit in on it. She was going to just be there. I think she was even going to go sit in the car or something. She just wanted, you know, to come along for the ride and for the sandwich. So he and I started talking and he's telling me about this dinner church idea. And, um, it's something, it's a ministry that they have started doing. And I just thought, oh my goodness, she needs to be in here. She needs to hear this too. So I texted her and said, come back in here. Well, around the same time, his wife, Sheila came also. And so my friend and his wife, Sheila were in there and Jamie and Sheila sat in and we talked and, it was the best conversation. We started recording and then I think, so they sat in there. So this episode is special also because it's the first time that I've ever had someone sit in while I was recording. And so that was just really special and I'll always remember it. Um, but we recorded the first half of the podcast and then we just sat and talked for probably 45 minutes about dinner church and about discipleship and about all of the things. And it was so special and just such an incredible conversation. And I was like, okay, we have to finish this podcast. We have to go back in and we have to finish this thing. And so we did, but we just had the best time together. Um, when I tell you that Mark Gray is one of my most favorite people in the whole entire world, he and his wife, Sheila, they are two of my most favorite people in this whole world. That is not an exaggeration. That is not me being dramatic. I mean it with every ounce of my being. They have been such incredible friends uh, to Randra and I for years. We met them probably around 2010. Yeah, around 2010. I mean, we've known who they are. Randra has known them. um, And we've always known kind of who they were but we really got to know them in that season. We were really, really good friends with them. And it was a friendship that has just grown and grown over the years. They are people who they're some of the busiest people I know. So we don't get to see them a whole lot, but when we see them, it is like a genuine pure joy when we get to run into each other and we talk and um, we just pick up right where we left off they are the people I have told him this a million and one times. He's like my 911 person. <laughs> Anytime I need anything from something little as like a sleeping bag. I remember one time we went on winter retreat when we were helping with the youth group and we had one sleeping bag and we needed another one. And I said, I bet anything Mark Gray has an extra one. So I called him and sure enough, he did. Um, there was a time when uh, Caleb was asleep. I may actually share this later in the podcast. I don't remember, to be honest. Uh, Caleb was a newborn and um, was sick with some respiratory things. And Sheila showed up at my house with a new diffuser and essential oils and was just there. She shows up with food. She knows my favorite soups that she makes. And so when she makes it, she shows up. They took us kayaking for the first time. I mean, they just are amazing, amazing, amazing people. And when we were driving out there, it was funny because 
I had told my friend Jamie about him. She was asking all about him and I was telling her all of these things. And she said, Elena, he sounds like a great person. And I said, he is, he and his wife both are. And then she got to meet them. And when we left, she said, oh my goodness, I see exactly what you were saying. They are fantastic. And so they are, I can't sing their praises enough. It's not about them. They live their lives to serve others. I mean, that's the best thing about them is that they don't want the recognition. If they listen to this, they are probably rolling their eyes, like stop talking about us (laughs) because everything they do, they do for the glory of God. They love the Lord. They love his people. They love to serve. I just can't say enough. So, and all of that comes out in this conversation. It is such a good conversation. I am still so excited about it. Um, And I know that you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be inspired. All of the things. So grab a drink and join us as we pour it out. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining me this morning. It's exciting to be able to enjoy being here with you and to join you. Well, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you? Okay. Well, as we know, I'm Mark Gray and uh, pastor at Bainbridge First Assembly of God. Um, My wife, Sheila, and I have been together for 35 years, married for 29. Uh, We have four kids, six grandkids, and uh, we just enjoy doing life together, uh, being a part of our community. Um, we enjoy helping people and serving in different places. Um, that's kind of our passion and kind of the things we both enjoy doing. Um, we love cruising. We love traveling. Mm -hmm. So I think you literally take more cruises than anybody that I know. (laughs) Legit. We're we're planning on taking more. So (laughs) do you have one scheduled soon? No, she's working on it. We just came off of one last month. Where'd you go? Cozumel, uh, Costa Maya, and Isle of Roatan. Wow. So fun. Seven days. And that was your, you said 11? Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, and you were born and raised in Chillicothe. Yes. Yes. Born and raised in Chillicothe, graduated from Unioda in 1988. I didn't know you graduated from Unioda. Yes. I never knew that. I thought you were a Chillicothe Cavaliers guy. No. She was Chillicothe Cavaliers. I was Unioda. Oh. Purple and gold all the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I forgot I was recording for a second. <laughs> um, okay. So, and then you have been in ministry. You said you preached your first ser- your first sermon when October of two thousand five, and so. you have done everything from being a deacon, youth pastor, worship leader, pastor, yep. am I missing evangelist, and, yep. all of the things. Yep. And then you were with the fire department. Worked for the fire department for twenty nine years. Been at the Ross County Coroner's office for the last twenty years different things throughout the community, school board. Um, I still currently volunteer as a chaplain at the hospital um, a few days a week. Literally everywhere doing all the things all the time. I don't, I don't think that you sleep. Sleep's overrated. Yeah. I legit, (laughs) I have always said that. I've always told Greenberry, I just don't think that he sleeps. I think that he just goes and goes and goes. Um, It never seemed tired. So, you know, you build and do things. You are working on your house, yes. which you guys bought how long ago? Was we it bought then? in 2020 when I retired from the firehouse. We bought an old cabin out in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. where I tell people they'll come back and go, Mark Craig does not live back here. <laughs> um, but it's peaceful. It's quiet. Um, we don't hear cars. We don't hear sirens. We don't hear anything but birds, crickets, and toads. Mm. So it's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. We're just, uh, it's a project in the, in the works. And so we just continue to keep working on it. I love it. 
Well, the first question that I, formal question that I have for you is, what do you feel like the Lord is saying over Chillicothe? And this is weird, kind of. I was thinking, I was like, he doesn't pastor in Chillicothe, but you do everything else in Chillicothe. And um, so, you know, asking you to pray over that city is just, I know it's something you do anyway, all the time. So as you have been praying over our city, is there anything that has really stuck out that you feel like the Lord is saying? Well, the big thing that I always pray about and um, believe that God wants to happen in Chillicothe and is speaking over Chillicothe is truly community. Um, Being able to set aside denomination, um, race, color, the creed, the socioeconomic status, being able to put aside all of those different things and truly be the community that he's called us to be. you know, Jesus' last prayer and the greatest prayer that he ever prayed in John 17 was for us to be unified as he and his father are unified. Um, and he prayed that every believer would come together in unity, which he also said in that prayer would bring us together in completion or perfection. And until we can get past the division, we truly can't be the body of Christ that he wants us to be. Yeah. Um, I want to ask how okay so you are one of the most loving people that i know like you are the kindest person the most loving person and being someone who has been in ministry for so long who has worked for the coroner's office who's been a firefighter you've seen like the ugliest side of things the meanest side of people and all the things how have you kept your heart pure and been able to really keep loving people the way that you do? That, that's a tough one because there's been moments in life where um, I considered myself calloused, just kind of like emotionless, got to the point where um, you just kind of feel like, well, being an investigator and, and having to talk to people, you kind of feel like everybody's lying to you. And so feeling that and getting to that place in life, um, I just had to recall who I am and God's child and the way he looks at me. And I've made mistakes. I've done things wrong throughout life, but yet and still he loves me. And that's his expectation for us is no matter what we look like, no matter what we sound like, no matter the mistakes we make, um, he wants us to love each other. And so if the one opportunity I can get is to even love my enemy and they change their lives and turn to Christ, um, it's not because of me, but it's because of the love of Christ. And so if there's anything I never want to lose, it's that love. I love that. I love that. And then have you, you had said like, you know, you and Sheila love to serve people and you love to do things for people which I know to be true because you have shown up in my personal life time and time and time again, serve, whether it be through soup, which is amazing or other food or serving, you know, just in whatever ways. I remember when Caleb was a baby and couldn't breathe and I had posted something on Facebook, I think. And by the end of that day, Sheila had shown up with like essential oils and a diffuser and things to be there and to serve. And that's just who you all have been. Has that always been something that you did like as a kid? Like, were you just always doing things for people or was that something that developed as an adult or how did that For myself, it was always something that I was a part of because um, my dad wasn't around. Um, My mom worked a lot, but where where I got that trait from or or saw that in action was uh, spending summers and weekends with my grandpa, um, who, you know, at that point in time, it was okay to pick up hitchhikers. Um, And so if he'd see somebody walking down the road, pick them up, find out where they needed to go. Um, we'd take them there. Um, I remember as a kid and I was probably 10, 11 years old and he picked up a man and a woman 
um, took them to their house and on the way to their house started asking them questions and come to find out they didn't have much. And so we left their house, went to a grocery store, went shopping and brought back groceries to them. Um, and it's just one of the things that we um, realize and, and through his messages and teaching as a pastor that, you know, that's what God put us here for was to help each other. And I saw that when he was injured and had to have surgery one time and um, there were other pastors and neighbors who just stopped what they were doing and come over to take care of his livestock and his fields and it's you know just what we're supposed to do i love it. see you're just one of the best people that i know it's not just words you just are um okay well tell me so you recently started a new thing here called dinner church yes let's talk all the things dinner church you we had a whole let me stop and just say i we just had a whole conversation about this and so i said i'm sorry that i'm going to make you repeat yourself but i want you to repeat everything that you said because it's all so good <laughs> okay well for for myself and my wife dinner church is is really exciting and when you say dinner church uh, most people have no idea what you're talking about um, but Dinner Church is uh, a, a concept or what we call a fresh expression of Jesus Christ. Uh, people are looking for Jesus in every community. But a lot of people have been to church, have been hurt, have been put off because church is about finances or they weren't accepted because they didn't have the right dress or clothes or different things like that. And so um, Jesus did ministry by sitting around the dinner table and building relationships with people. And as he built relationships with people, then they were able to open up and be set free, be delivered. And uh, so if you look in the word of God and you study, you'll see that most of the time Jesus was either going from a dinner, he was at a dinner or he was going to a dinner. And so in every one of those situations, he's building relationships with people. And he always came to them on their level. So to the farmers, he talked sowing seeds. Mm -hmm. To the finance, and he talked finances. And so um, dinner church is an opportunity for people without any strings or attachments to come sit down at a free meal. And we serve them. And then we sit down at the table and find out where they're at in life. And then we take the opportunity to minister to them. And we just build relationships so that they can get to see Jesus Christ, not through the eyes of stained glass and pews, but just through the, the eyes of real life. Mm -hmm. And so you, you guys cook all the food. Yes. We have volunteers who um, take part in dinner church with us. Um, it is not volunteers just from our church but there are volunteers from other churches in our community um, there are unchurched groups we have 4-h groups who come in and help uh, and my wife she she built a a serve page and basically the week before dinner church we lay out the meal and she'll say on this week like last week we had uh, chicken noodles with mashed potatoes and mm. the corn and beans <clears throat> and rolls real real comfort food and so um she uh, puts it all on the serve page and then people just volunteer to bring the food and so um, there's one week we had pizzas and so we just uh, negotiate with the pizza place and we sit down and, and we buy the pizza and bring the food in um, we do put out a donation jar just in case somebody wants to donate but um that's all on them. It's a free meal for everybody in the community who wants to or is willing to come and sit down and just hear a little bit about Jesus and spend time together. I love that. And you started this when? We started this in the week of Thanksgiving last year, so 2022. And you had eight people when you started? We had eight people when we first started. As I said, the volunteers, we had three times as many volunteers at that point. We had a... Um, when we started telling the community what we were going to do, there were all kinds of people who were excited because all they want to do is serve their community. 
And so we had a 4-H group who came in and set out all the table settings for us. We had other people in the community who fixed the meal. Um, they brought all that in and we served. And just by word of mouth and by people seeing that there's no strings, there's no attachments, there's no trying to drag people into church. We're just loving on them and giving them Jesus Christ. Um, there are even people who are from other churches who, you know, a lot of times if you go to church and there's another church doing an event, you feel like, oh, they're just trying to drag us away from our church. Um, when they realize that that's not the point, um, as I said earlier, it's we need to come back to the place where we're just true community. Yeah. Um, and we we do life together. And so when they realize that, um, they become a part of it and they make it their own. So. so then what, where are you with, I know it's not about numbers, but where are you with numbers now? You started out with having eight show up. So now. right now we average almost 50 um, and we do it every other Tuesday currently. Um, eventually we're going to move it to weekly. Um, we had a community cookout on the town green uh, four weeks ago and we had over 120 people and we had a lady who was saved that evening and so it's just a great opportunity to be able to sit down and do life together and fellowship do you have people that keep like repeat people or the same i don't know how to say that yeah same people that come back we have the regulars that come back every single time we have dinner church um and it has become you know, just a part of them because they've developed friendships um they've come into dinner church and they've invited people who they believe needed to be here um it's for dinner church is for everybody but we're trying to reach the people who wouldn't normally walk into a traditional church and we're also trying to reach the people who are in need and not necessarily in need financially, but widows who no longer have people to talk to and are sitting at home and just, you know, no connection. And so that gives them the opportunity just to come in and to see people and talk to people. Yeah. Um, for those who, you know, are hurting and broken and just need somebody to talk to. And so we're, we also resource people. So the opportunity when we find out that they do need clothing or anything like that, um, we also have the blessing closet, which is a clothing bank. And so we could take them in and let them go shopping and get clothes for their family. Um, we have other resources in the community where we can help them financially. Uh, we can get them connected with recovery, um, different things like that. And so it's, it's about first building relationship and loving them like Jesus loves them. But then Jesus went deeper to find out where's your need. Right. And then we meet the need. Right. I just love it. I love it. I think it's such a, I mean, I love, I, Acts is one of my favorite books. And so, you know, when you read that and you see how he did ministry, it was that it was sitting down, having a meal, sharing, you know, who he was and, and talking to them and, I just think we've gotten so far away from that. Um, and so it's refreshing and encouraging to hear you doing it and see you doing it. Um, Cause I think it's something that's so beyond needed. Yes. And so I love that it's going so well. Yeah. And it is. And it's, uh, as I said, we, we in the assemblies of God, you know, we call it fresh expressions and yeah. it's done a different way in every place. And like we talked earlier, there's a bridge the gap ministry, which is officially a dinner church, but they serve over 500 people under a bridge in Cincinnati every single week. Um, and there are salvations, there's deliverance. Yeah. Um, they've taken the opportunity to resource people and put them up in apartments and, um, get them recovery counseling. Um, and so it's it's first just about building that trust and that relationship. And when you do, it opens up the opportunity for ministry. I want to interrupt the conversation and tell you about my three incredible partners. I have got 
three local businesses who have come alongside me and partnered with me to help make my podcast better in different ways. To start off with, we've got Sweet William Blossom and Boutique. And Sweet William brings me flowers to my door every single week. And it's such a sweet surprise to walk out and see them or to come home and have there be flowers on my front porch waiting for me. And I put them on my dining room table. I get to enjoy them all through the week. But then when I have guests over to record, because this is where I do most of my recordings is right here at my dining room table, they are able to see the beauty and it just adds that extra little touch. And I'm so, so grateful. Sweet William has incredible everything. I mean, everything. Their chocolate covered strawberries, their gourmet apples, their dirty pops, their charcuterie cups and charcuterie uh, boxes. Everything is made to perfection, made with love. I cannot say enough. I have been a fan since day one. Oh, and their flowers are gorgeous are absolutely gorgeous. I've been a fan since day one and I just become a bigger fan by the day. There's nothing better. I stand by this and will always stand by this. There's nothing better than getting a pink box full of goodies from them. It is the absolute best way to brighten someone's day. Cannot say enough good things. Another one of my partners is Roast Coffee. Roast uh, supports me by giving coffee to myself and to my guests every time we record. And it's just such a blessing. It's such a blessing to be able to pour it out week after week with the best coffee in town, hands down. Uh, They have the best coffee, as I said. They also have teas. They have other things. They've got food. Everything is incredible. Some of my favorites are if you need something just strong to get you through the day, their Americano is the absolute best Uh, for a flavored drink. My favorite is the brown butter, although right now they have this brown sugar and mint shakerado that's really, really delicious. And of course, you can never go wrong with a Cubano iced or hot. My favorite is uh, getting it made with oat milk. And their food is incredible. They have another special that they're running right now in summer, this blackberry toast. It's blackberry blackberry with uh, mascarpone cheese and, or mascarpone cheese on sourdough with blackberries with fresh rosemary chopped up on top of it and honey drizzled. It is amazing. Creamy, delicious, just amazing. And their salads, their sandwiches, they have a chicken salad croissant, which I was kind of iffy about, but I got talked into it. It's delicious. Like, I crave it now. It's delicious. Go check them out. The best staff, the best environment, the best coffee. I mean, just the best. Go check them out. And lastly, Maggie and Me Candle Company. Um, They... I'm sitting here at my dining room table right now with one of her candles burning. My house smells amazing. And it's another, just one of those finishing touches where when I have people over, they sit down, they see the beautiful flowers, they drink the yummy coffee, and it smells good in here. And that is all thanks to Maggie and Me Candle Company. I am so, so grateful for these partners who have come alongside to make this podcast even more special and have loved me, have encouraged me, and supported me. Go check them out. They are all on social media. You can find out all of their information. Um, Go look them up on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, and find out all of their details. I also have uh, podcast episodes with each of the owners of them that you can go back and listen to. Um, They are fantastic people. These are businesses run by fantastic people and you can listen to them, hear their heart behind the business and get to know them a bit and just fall in love with what they do and who they are. So I just thank you so much to all three of those businesses for all you do. Go check them out. Um, go order from them. And when you do, tell them that Elena sent you. Now back to the conversation. So going from 
dinner church and all of the things leads kind of into, um, or not kind of into, it leads completely into discipleship. And so I just want to hear your heart on discipleship and tell us all of the, all of the things. I'll let you kind of lead that, but just what discipleship means to you, why it's important, how we are doing it well, how we can do it better, anything else that you want to add with that. Okay. Well, going from dinner church and, and talking about discipleship is, is actually, they all mesh together very well. Um, because in talking about what Jesus did, Jesus brought in disciples. He asked them to follow him. And then he just simply was the example of what he wanted them to do. And the example that he showed them was not of, and, and nothing against the ways we do church because we have a traditional church also, but he taught them how to build relationships with people in communities. Uh, he didn't teach them to build churches. He didn't teach them to build temples. He didn't teach them to stand in front of pulpits. He taught them to build relationships with people in communities and then teach others to build relationships. And uh, the disciples picked that up very well. Um, when the spirit fell um, on the day of Pentecost, they were all together. And it says they were on one accord. They were in unity together. They had no idea what they were praying for. Um, but he said, just wait here and the spirit will come. The comforter will come. The helper will come. And so when they received the helper, they automatically went out doing just what Jesus had taught them to do. And it says, after the spirit fell and the ministry began, they started sharing everything they had together. And we take that in the context of they shared clothing, they shared food, they shared houses, they shared all kinds of different things. But the greatest thing they shared was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so they took that and they started sharing it with others and telling them the story of what happened and what changed in their lives. Um, the, the, the woman at the well, when you listen to that story, Jesus sat down and built relationship with someone who shouldn't have been talking to him, who he shouldn't have addressed at all because it was improper in that day's society and culture, but they built relationships and she opened up and poured out her life not even knowing that he was Jesus, but knowing there was something different about him. And so in every single one of us, people should begin to see there's something different about us. And when we show them that difference, they want to, want to know why we're different. And so we teach them that. It's just a great opportunity to teach them. And so one of the most important things about ministry itself is teaching people where we came from mm -hmm. and where we're going to because we teach them where they're at, where they came from, but we teach them where they can go to. Mm -hmm. And then we teach them, we disciple them to teach other people the same thing. And we make it so um, complicated. Uh, we believe we have to go through class 101, 102 to 201 to whatever. And we teach all these different classes. But the amazing thing about Jesus is that he didn't sit them down and take them through all of these classes. He sat them down. He said, this is what we do and said, go. Mm -hmm. And the disciples made mistakes. One of the greatest stories is when he sent the disciples out and a man came to them to heal his son and they couldn't do it. And they asked Jesus, they said, we did the exact same thing you did. We prayed the same prayer you did. We laid hands on it. We did everything you did. And we couldn't do what you did. And he says, this one only comes out by fasting and prayer. Mm -hmm. And so he, he taught them, when you make mistakes, I'm still there to teach you. Mm -hmm. And part of discipleship is not holding on to people and building large numbers of people in a church. Discipleship is about planning the life of Jesus Christ and the spirit of Jesus in others and sending them out so they can do the same thing in their communities, in their workplaces, in their schools. Um, and so discipleship 
and building relationships is one of the most important parts about ministry. Um, teaching people that we make it more complicated than what it is. All Jesus simply did was build relationships so that they had the opportunity to speak and be real with each other. Mm -hmm. Most of the time in churches today, um, we just can't be real because we don't have time. We, we do praise and worship. We laugh for a little bit. We do announcements. We listen to a guy or a girl in a pulpit. They speak to us and then we all turn around because we're hungry and we try to find a place to eat. Mm -hmm. But when we separate, we don't come back together during the week to actually just sit down and be real with each other and build relationships. Yeah. And so more than anything, uh, dinner church is about discipling others. And uh, truly, I think that's the way what we need to come back to as traditional churches is discipling people and being the example that they need to see, teaching them how to imitate Christ and teaching them how to be innovative and go out and imitate Christ in other ways, whether it's, as we talked about earlier, a fresh expression. Mm -hmm. um, whatever your niche in life is, whatever your gifting in life is, use that gifting to teach others about yeah. Jesus Christ. I love it because, I mean, you know, obviously like that was what he commissioned us with was go make disciples. And so it's the one thing that he told us to go do, you know, that was the last thing he said was go do this, go make disciples. And, you know, then when you read later in the new Testament, you know, Paul talks about like, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly it. It's, you know, being able to look at people's lives and seeing how they follow the Lord and then, modeling your life to be like there. I mean, that's what discipleship is, is, yes. you know, and so it's like, it's talked about so much, but it's not something that we put enough emphasis on a lot of times. And, um, but it's so important. It's so, so, so important. And, you know, I told you earlier, but truly like a few years ago, like I felt like that's what the Lord had spoken to me was that's, that's how we're going to see true revival is through discipleship. And in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Because if we're, if I'm discipling people and then they go out and disciple people and then they go out and disciple people, then you have more people that are following Jesus that are, you know, living according to his principles and loving people the way that he did and stuff. And they're going to infiltrate the schools and the um, political climate and everywhere and that's how revival starts. That's how change happens. And so I think we have a great need for it. I mean, that's how you change communities and that's how you change the world. That's my perspective. It's a great perspective. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I have one question, not with this, but that I was thinking about. And earlier I had asked you, like, how do you keep loving people and stuff? But also, how do you, as someone who literally does everything, you know, does all of the work in all of the places, leads a church, which I know that this will tie in, but then has a family and you're amazing with your family and you're very present and just always, you're just always doing things and always busy and always going from one place to another all the time. How do you live out keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus? Like, how do you not get so distracted by everything and everyone? Because you're also a big helper. So like, it's nothing for you to pick up and go here and help this person here and help this person. And then with being a coroner and being a firefighter and all of the things and seeing all of the heavy things, how do you, how have you, and how do you live out keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus? Okay. That I, at first I found it tough um, because I was constantly focused on, situations. Uh, I was constantly focused on trying to fix things, constantly focused on how to help people. Um, but the focus was just on that. It was on the situation. And through realization and, and 
through watching people over the course of the years at, at the firehouse was one of the big things is um, I knew what my skill set was. I knew um, what I had been trained to do. Um, but in the midst of doing everything that I could do to help somebody, they still not make it. Um, and I had to come to the realization that ultimately I have no control and all the control belongs to God. And so all the glory should belong to God. And so I changed my whole focus and my focus for helping people now is not just to help people, but so that they can see Jesus Christ in me and my favorite verse, my life verse. Um, and I have preached on it as my life verse is Galatians 2:20. I've become all things to all men. No, sorry. I am crucified with Christ no longer. Yet, swoof, see, I lost it. <laughs> I am crucified with Christ, yet not I. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in Christ Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. That verse basically says, Jesus Christ died for me, and he gave me an opportunity to live for him. And so every moment that I live for him shows somebody else Jesus Christ. And that the other verse that I about hit was, you know, Paul says, I have become all things to all men that I might save some. And so in every culture, in every community that Paul went into, he became as they were. Didn't mean that he sinned as they were sinning, but he became as they were. And so uh, if he went into a, a poor, homeless type community, he belittled himself or brought himself down to their level where um, they were able to listen to what he had to say. He didn't um, practice or teach them according to his highly educated status because he was very educated. But when he went in and sat with the Sadducees and Pharisees and different ones who were highly educated, he could speak on their level. And so he did speak on their level because if he had walked in and talked just like he talked to the homeless group, they wouldn't have accepted him because... He doesn't know anything. Right. So in every community we go into, in every community I go into, uh, I realize that I become as they are to build relationship for a long enough period of time that I can give them Jesus Christ. Um, and so every opportunity I get, and I'll just say it this way, and it's not trying to boast, but God has blessed me with the ability to do all kinds of different things. And so in that blessing, I use that blessing to bless others. And that's true discipleship. And that's what each and every one of us as a Christian, when we accept Christ and we say, I'm a Christian, it says I'm Christ-like. Mm -hmm. That we should be willing to use the giftings that he has given us to go out into the community and give back to people. Mm -hmm. And when they see us, it's not throwing a Bible in their face giving them Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and so how do I stay focused? I, I changed my mindset to the fact that it's not me and it's not about me, but it's about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's focus was not on himself, mm -hmm. was not on the cross. It was on the people he was serving. And then what about personally in the midst of like, I love that, by the way, but also like for you personally in the midst of like going back to like 2020, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of the racial divide, in the midst of political climate, all of that. I heard you talk. I heard you share and and then I talked to you one on one privately. But also, I mean, you're just one of those people who maintains a Christ centered focus no matter what. And that, especially in a year like 2020, and we're getting ready to go into another, you know, political year and a political season. So how do you, for you personally, then keep your mind where it needs to be and not get so distracted by all of the voices and all of the opinions and everything out there? Not that I discount people's voices, but... Um... 
I try just not to be in the middle of chaotic mess. Um, I listen to newscasts. I listen to some different things on social media and, and I take it at the surface level. Uh, if it's a question that I have, I'll dig deeper to find the answer. Um, but I like to dig into factual information. Uh, it's easy for people to get distracted by listening to what everyone else has to say. Um, because most people will find a story and they'll spin out their part of the story and that's what they'll focus on. And if we get wrapped up into those different things, then it's easy to lose focus. And so I don't try to dig deep in. I do not have debates or conversations with people that are political based. Um, and some people may do this, but I don't. Um, I do not preach politics in any way, shape, or form over the pulpit um, because the pulpit was set and designed that we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it means that we have to discuss and teach people the truth of abortion, we do. But I don't do it on a political stance that says this politician believes this way or this um, party believes in this way. Um, it's what does the truth of the Bible say? And so I try to stay as much focused on the truth so that, as the word says, the truth shall set you free. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't um, because it often draws people to want to argue, to want to debate, to want to try to stir you up to see if they can get you to say something that they wouldn't expect you to normally say. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I, I try to focus on, again, the truth. There have been situations, as you said, you, you talk about 2020. When we first came to, um, to this church, to Bainbridge, and um, not really other than being in the county and being a part of you know, corners office, sheriff's department, fire department, different things. I've met people from the community. Um, but truly, in the Appalachian society, you have to be born and raised in a place. <laughs> the difference of 19 miles between Chillicothe and Bainbridge is just a major cultural difference. Um, the difference in Londonderry and Chillicothe and Bainbridge, where it's just a major cultural difference. But in an Appalachian society, either you're born into something accepted or you're not. And so coming out here, um, building that relationship at some points was tough. Um, there were threats, there were complaints, there were arguments, there was different things as to, you know, an African-American man being in the community. There were, um, our, our church van was set on fire, um, different things that happened throughout the time. But again, um, if I were to focus on the situation, it would distract me from doing the ministry that needs to be done. And so um, I am crucified with Christ. And so, but I live as an ambassador for Christ. And if living as an ambassador for Christ means I get mean, bitter, nasty, and retaliate, what would Jesus do? And that's not what he would do. Um, everybody says, well, he, he turned over the tables in the temple. He did. But he did that out of love. And as soon as he turned over those tables, he ministered to them and said, my father's house should be a house of prayer. Yeah. And so um, the focus of life in every single Christian's life should be the ministry of the truth. And if we ever lose focus on that, we lose focus on Jesus Christ. And so I'm not saying I'm perfect. Nobody is. But that's what I try to focus on, because if not, I could be a mean, bitter, nasty old man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of us could. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, my last question is what what's the Lord speaking to you for you personally? What's he what's he saying? <laughs> um. Well, the pastors get the speaking pulpit every week, but not a lot of times say what 
them personally. But our theme for this year, um, for the church, because I believe that's what God spoke to me, was behold. There is behold. Um, the word behold, when you study it, uh, the definition that I give to people in the church and that I see for myself is to look upon with great expectation. And so this season, this time of life for me is to look upon God with great expectation that he is going to do great things. And so I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, whatever God has for our community, whatever God has for our area, whatever God has for our kids, our grandkids, um, I'm looking on God with great expectation that he's going to do something amazing in this season. Um, so I want to be a part of it. I love it. I love it. I love you. Um, well, is there anything else that you want to say that we didn't cover? Thanks. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to sit down and speak with you and uh, just share my heart and the heart of what's happening in, in our community and uh, the heart of what God is doing. And he's doing great things in your life mm -hmm. and he's using you to bring people together and to speak messages to people. So just continue to allow God to use you. Thank you. Well, I love you very much and I appreciate who you are. Was I right or was I right? <laughs> I love it because what was really special to me in this episode also was not only did he talk about dinner church, not only did he talk about discipleship, which are both incredible things, but I loved his perspective on, you know, what to do when things get hard, what to do, how do you stay focused? How do you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? You know, that's something that I say a whole lot is you got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You got to keep your eyes fixed on the cross. You got to keep your eyes fixed on him and on who he is and on what he's done. You know, that's something I'm very passionate about. If you know me, you, uh, you've probably heard it from me. You know, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, but he really dives into that and talks about what it looks like in the midst of so much negativity, not only, you know, in some of the things he's seen as far as being, you know, working for the coroner's office and being a firefighter and the tragic things that he has experienced and witnessed and seen, uh, but also in the day to day, in the political climate, climate, in all of the division, in all of the things that have gone around in our um, in our world over the last few years. And I loved earlier in the conversation where he talked about, you know, he did go through a period where it was hard for him to love people and it was hard for him. You know, he just kind of got to this place that was really hard. And I loved his transparency with that, but also to see that he didn't stay there. He didn't stay stuck there. He got up and now, you know, you just wouldn't even know it. And I think, you know, that's important to know and to understand too. So, um, it's just a fantastic conversation. All of it was. I hope that you loved it as much as I loved recording it because it was probably, I always say that every, every week, honestly, I come home and Randy says, well, was that your favorite episode? <laughs> because he knows, because I just, I love every single person I get to sit down with and Every single week, I think, oh my goodness, this can't be topped. And then the next week it is. And, um, but truly this one was really, really special because it really hit a place in my heart that I am very, very passionate about when it comes to discipleship and, um, and just really impactful church <laughs> and, um, and serving others and bringing the gospel and loving others so well. So I'm going to stop talking because you've already heard it, but this is probably one that you'll need to go back and listen to because it's well, well worth all of the wisdom and all of the golden nuggets that he has in it. So um, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and I will join you back here next week for another episode of Pour It Out.